0: Welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in Your Home. So great to be with you on this, Francis, the um, what would we call it, the eve of the feast <laughs> yeah, the
1: <vigil. laughs> of
0: our newest saint, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. We're so excited about that. And we indicated, I think, a few weeks ago, Francis, that we were going to do another program on her, a follow up program, um, taking a somewhat different tact. Obviously, we want to honor her. Um, on this, the first uh, time that we will celebrate her feast as a saint. And so we're going to do that um, in two ways. One, certainly speaking about her and dwelling largely on her prayer uh, and the impact uh, of her prayer on our spiritual journey. But we want to make it more contemporary. You know, our Carmelite saints are very contemporary, and we have discussed in the past uh, that the church Guided by the Holy Spirit, elevates saints for specific times in our history and for um, uh, uh, his own purposes. And we believe we may have discerned at least one of the reasons why Elizabeth uh, would be uh, identified and raised to the altars at this time and it has uh, a great deal to do with the uh, trials that we as a country face. But uh, we'll get into that in more detail. Uh, First, let me um, say hi to my uh, co-host here in studio. Frances, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm rejoicing. Um, The Cubs won the series. My (laughs) husband is a Cubs fan, and so the whole family cheers with him, and um, he said it'd be a miracle if they won three in a row, and they (laughs) won the whole thing. So I think God's in the mood for making miracles, and so uh, um, I'm just imploring the Lord, in all sorts of ways <laughs> for miracles well, to the nation best. and the world <laughs> I, I
0: stayed up for that game and it was a, it was a long one, but it was well worth it. It was great baseball and uh, i don 't have i didn 't have a dog in the fight um, uh, um, you know my, my affinity towards baseball is uh, with another team which i won 't share right now, but the point is uh, congratulations Chicago It was a great win, two great teams, two legacy teams, so it was really terrific. Well, let us begin um, with a prayer that will, of course, be directed to Elizabeth and uh, is a way, as I say, that we begin to honor her as we uh, have this conversation about her today.
2: And I believe um, the title of our program is St. Elizabeth of the Trinity and the Incarnation of Christ in each of us. So I've selected this prayer in light of that. And I imagine that um, St. Elizabeth of Trinity probably read from St. Angela of Feligno.
0: She did, actually. That's true. And so
2: I think that this particular prayer of St. Angela of Feligno echoes uh, what we're going to be speaking to a certain degree. So let us get recollected and let us... uh, Get focused on the Lord present within us. That's so important. And let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my God, make me worthy to understand something of the mystery of the burning charity which is in you, which impelled you to effect the sublime act of the incarnation, the root and source of our salvation. O ineffable incarnation, which brings to man, with the outpouring of love, the assurance of salvation. How ineffable is this charity! Truly, there is no greater than this, that the word was made flesh, in order to make me like unto God. You became nothing in order to make me something. You clothed yourself like the lowliest slave— to give me the garments of a king and a god. Although you took the form of a slave, you did not lessen your substance nor injure your divinity, but the depths of your humility pierce my heart and make me cry out, O incomprehensible one, made comprehensible because of me. O uncreated one, now created. O thou who art inaccessible to mind and body, become palpable to thought and touch by a prodigy of thy power. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit,
0: amen. Amen. Well, I mentioned we're going to focus a little bit on uh, Elizabeth's prayer to the Trinity, and more specifically, the text entitled The Doctrine of Divine Indwelling, and this is by the Reverend Mother uh, Amabel of the Heart of Jesus. You know, I have to correct myself, Francis, from a couple of programs ago. I think I said that she was in the same Carmel as Elizabeth, that being Dijon. Um, In fact, uh, she was um, in the Carmel at Rochefort in France, and I'm not even sure that she did um, meet or spend time with Elizabeth. It may well be. Uh, there was very little biographical material on her. I tried to do some research to find out uh, more about her, but like many good Carmelites, she <laughs> lived a life of purity uh, <laughs> and hiddenness. Yes, and so uh, I, I have to say, and I'm going to, um, you know, caution. Our listeners, even as I say this, but I can't go without saying it, this particular book, and Francis and I both have our independent copies of it, titled The Doctrine of the Divine Indwelling, it's actually a commentary on the prayer of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, the famous prayer uh, to the Trinity, is Perhaps uh, one of the best books on prayer that I have ever read. Mm-hmm. I, I don't say perhaps it's one that I've ever. I, I say simply that it is perhaps one of the best books on prayer. Certainly one of the best I've ever read. It is um, a wonderful explanation, not just of Elizabeth's prayer, but in terms of unearthing that uh, a description of all. Uh, uh, the most meaningful aspects of prayer, and specifically, I will say, contemplative prayer.
2: And basically what it does is takes each line of the prayer and expands on it or, you know, a couple, three or four pages. And so you you get an intensity of the meaning of the words of St. Elizabeth's Prayer.
0: Yeah, and you can find copies of it. I don't want to discourage people.
2: And I think it's online, actually. It,
0: it is online. You can find it uh, at uh, certain sources. I don't want to go through the details. Maybe we'll host those um, uh, on our site. But uh, you can find it in... in um, um, internet circles, Uh, and it is well worth the read. I I will confess that I use it uh, most often as my uh, means of prayer. I will take this with me to the chapel. That's why my copy is a little, um, um, you know, uh, rough and and beaten. But um, it it is, for me, aside from her writings, probably the greatest source of prayer. Uh, Certainly there are many others, but these two I go to consistently. Well, I want to start by saying we're not going to focus on the whole prayer. There are a couple of key phrases in Elizabeth's prayer that we want to um, draw your attention to. And more specifically, actually, we're going to focus on St. Paul's writings, which Elizabeth was particularly attracted to. Right. And, and for a very specific reason, which we're going to talk about. And Frances already sort of uh, gave some indication of it when she shared the title, which is, Uh, the incarnation of Christ in each of us. And so let's begin this way. One of the greatest means for deepening and expanding our prayer life is to understand Paul's teaching on knowing and becoming Christ. We have to unearth this teaching, because so often we just pass over these things if we're reading Scripture, and we really want to enter into a contemplative understanding of it. And we'll begin with a quote from uh, Philippians 3.10, which reads... I want to know Christ. This is, of course, St. Paul speaking. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death.
2: Well, these teachings also help us to deepen our love for Christ. And they also strengthen our ability to impact the world around us, which is very important. Um, we don't learn this stuff just to have head knowledge, right? We want to apply what we learn. And this is something we're going to explore in this conversation. But um, let's start first by looking more closely at St. Paul's words. What exactly is Paul saying? And just how is it that we are to become like him? And that is like Christ. Are we in fact to be crucified ourselves? Because if we are, I think a lot of people are going to run away from that. Um, are we to live the experience Christ lived in giving himself up for our salvation? Well, frankly, the answer to both of that, the crucifixion and the giving self up for salvation, uh, in a way is, is yes. We are, uh, we do have a part to play in that. I know that's a very challenging teaching, but we've got to co- first consider Um, where this commission of Paul's comes from.
0: Yeah, from Galatians 3.27, we read, Keeping with this theme now of our becoming Christ, Paul says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Paul's explaining that as part of our baptism, regardless of when that may have occurred, for some uh, it may well have been as we were adults or even into late Uh, stages of our life, but regardless of when it occurred, we at that moment put on Christ. We've clothed ourselves with Christ, Paul says. This is very sound, solid theological teaching, but again, what does it mean? How do we apply it? How do we live this out in our daily lives? Well, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity uh, wrote a prayer shortly before her death where she reflected on this teaching of Paul. This is her prayer to the Trinity. And again, as I say, we're going to focus on a couple of key lines in that, which happened to be in the latter part of the prayer, about uh, 75% of the way through the prayer. These, these verses are hung together.
2: And let me interject. It, the prayer we're talking about is her famous one that starts with, Oh, my God, Trinity whom I adore.
0: Exactly, yeah. I beseech thee, she says, I beseech thee to clothe me with thyself, to identify my soul With all the movements of thy own. So you see she's drawing right from Paul's language. Clothe thee with thyself. Clothe me with thyself. It's interesting that when Elizabeth Catez, Elizabeth's uh, 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 Christian uh, birth name, first entered Carmel, she was asked uh, the same series of questions that all the novices are asked. But one of those questions is, what is your favorite book? Her simple and direct response was the soul of Christ. Now, you've Isn't heard Isn't that me, amazing? <laughs> you've heard me tell this story before, Francis. When I first got introduced to Elizabeth, um, uh, I remember reading that and I spent weeks Trying to find the book entitled <laughs> "The Soul of Christ" because I, I didn't know
2: that about you. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: oh I'm crazy about that. You know, I, I'm not that smart, but I'm I'm a little crazy. And, and so yeah, I, I I spent weeks trying to find a book entitled "The Soul of Christ," and I there are some, by the way, that are similar in in, in uh, the language, but they're not exactly the same thing. And they they were written after her death, so I knew they couldn't have been the one she was referring to, and it was just driving me crazy. <laughs> Who's the author? What What are you talking about? Well, of course, I now know with some. Majority maturity that the author of the soul of Christ is Christ himself. And what she was referring to was the soul of Christ. It's important to me. And I know it is to you, Francis, because you and I share a great affinity to books and we share titles and we mm-hmm. talk about titles. It's the nature and large part of this program. We, we do a fair amount of reading, but for Elizabeth, it wasn't about a book. It wasn't going to be found in a book. It was only going to be found in time spent with Christ Entering into a deep understanding of what resided in his soul,
2: and I have to say, Mark, this reminds me of Saint Teresa of Avila, where uh, you know they they had to get. They had to burn all these wonderful right. books, and so Christ In Inquisition, right. yeah, and so Christ was telling her don't worry about all that I, you know I'll be the book of your the i don't know what your was teacher it was?
0: i'll be your teacher yes you i'll be your
2: book. teacher and, and and he I think there was a reference to a living book yeah. um, so uh, that's where my mind went when I first read a, of that um,
0: well there's a good explanation about this, Francis I'm going to ask you to read it if you don't mind it's actually a footnote on this reference to. Uh, clothing ourselves in Christ, and, and it elaborates this teaching. It's a somewhat lengthy uh, quote, but worth, I think, the, the time spent to read it.
2: So when I take a breath, Mark, you, you can interrupt <laughs> and, and make a comment on the commentary. <laughs> all right, here's, here's the um, footnote. The soul which follows this doctrine of identification with Christ does not pursue such or such a virtue of her own choice, but over and above all, the virtue which includes all others— a loving docility to the guest of her heart. The soul that wishes to identify herself with Christ does not invite Jesus to come down to her level by adapting himself to her views and aspirations. She does not ask him to unite himself to her and to act within her only for the purpose of helping her to live her own life more purely and more holily. She does not content herself with praying, suffering and loving as she has hitherto done, though with more intensity and purity of intention. Such spirituality would appear already very beautiful, but it is not sufficient And in the difference, we are able to realize the wonderful, transforming influence of the ideal which we wish to recommend.
0: Now, I'm going to stop you there because this is a critical juncture in this explanation, in this note. So uh, the the author has said it's important that we understand that Christ must live his life in us, but it isn't... uh, um, that done or accomplished by christ coming down and and sort of you know affecting if you will uh the events of our daily life rather we must be raised up into christ and and now our author is going to explain uh w- what's behind that
2: in the second method of union the soul thinks differently loves differently prays in a different manner for what she asks of Christ is to live his own life in her. I'm going to say that again. For what she asks of Christ is to live his own life in her. And for his sake, not for hers. Now, that's a very big distinction. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was reading this, I'm like, I, I'm seeing, you know, where I've been, you know. <laughs> She wants Jesus to continue his own life within her, not to begin in her a new life, which though holy, perhaps, would be circumscribed by the narrow limits of a puny creature. So the point is, uh, uh, instead of you having Christ live in you, you want Christ to reign in you and live his life in you, right? Right. Yes. All right.
0: And this is also... um I know we're going to do a program on the rosary later, and so I don't want to go too far with this, but we talk about the assumption of the Blessed Mother, right? In in large measure, what's happening here is that we are being assumed up into the life of Christ. And as Francis read, we think like he does. We, we will now begin to speak the way Christ would speak. We would pray the way Christ would pray. He really assumes our entire life. Now, there is this question lingering out there about what happens to us. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but, but it's... It's important that we understand it isn't just that we start sort of on our own, you know, say, well, I'm going to start acting like Christ now. No, we have to be docile. Remember the word docility. We have to be docile and expose ourselves to Christ, abandon ourselves, and then he will come and assume us into his his own experience.
2: And of course, this all involves grace, being open to God's grace. All right, I'm going to continue the footnote. The soul now stripped of self makes room for Christ. She will feel the heart of Christ beat within her breast. Christ will henceforth live his own life in her. She has made her own all the interests, views, loves, and desires of Christ. interests loves, and desires as far-reaching as the universe and perfectly free from all self-love. To sum up, The spirituality in question does not only help the soul to become better, to purify herself, to find herself. It helps her to forsake self once for all and to renounce her own point of view for that of Jesus. She aims at substituting Jesus for self.
0: Yeah. Now, again, this is a, you know, it's a teaching that I'm going to be very honest and say, As best uh, we can, Francis and I are going to talk about this in our conversation, but you will not grasp the depth of this teaching of Elizabeth. I agree with you, Francis. I think she will be elevated uh, to a doctor of the church at some point because as limited as her writings are, the depth of them are worthy of a lifetime of consideration, and one of them is this. And, of course, she took it from St. Paul. Let's not confuse ourselves. She drew this teaching from St. Paul, and, of course, this is actually, we won't reference it, but this is a a, a, a priest who's writing a Commentary uh, within the book of commentary on the prayer. But the point is, this is a very profound teaching of Elizabeth's reflected in her prayer about how christ comes and actually lives his life in us the circumstances the physical features the intellectual capability remain with us of who we are but christ is literally now living in us the spirit is moving in us our heart beats like christ and we begin to see all around us not from our own limited perspective again i'm simply drawing from the text that francis read but an eternal perspective and you'll begin to sense when this is happening to you listener When you begin to see, I now have a sort of eternal perspective on all that happens and what limited time frame I personally may spend on this earth is so insignificant in the context of what God is doing throughout all of salvation history. I know these are big words and they're big concepts and all I can do is encourage you to pray and I would encourage you to ask Elizabeth of the Trinity, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity along with the Blessed Mother, to help you to understand this teaching because it is really the centerpiece of the gospel that we become like another Christ. We live Christ life we are a perpetuation of that as members of the mystical body and it is the fundamental principle that both results in our eternal salvation and our ability to affect the world around us and we're going to talk about that
2: it's like we participate um with our blessed mother as the ark of the covenant or as a living tabernacle exactly when right. christ is living exactly and reigning right. in us yeah Awesome. All right, so um, here again, we do well to listen to St. Elizabeth's prayer. So here's part of this prayer O my beloved star, so hold me that I cannot wander from thy light. O consuming fire, spirit of love, descend within me and reproduce in me, as it were, an incarnation of the word that I may be to him another humanity wherein he renews his mystery.
0: Now that, that's wow. one verse of Elizabeth's prayer. <laughs> Take that prayer. to prayer. <laughs> yeah, I think, if I'm not mistaken, depending on how it's presented, sometimes it's four paragraphs, sometimes it's more. But this is one verse embedded within a paragraph, and I've highlighted in the document that Francis and I are working from a couple of keywords, and I'll just quickly reiterate them. Consuming fire, because we're going to talk about them. Descend incarnation of the word another humanity renews his mystery let's try to unpack those and i want to go right back to saint paul and i just encourage you listeners i I know this is sort of meaty material but this is what you find in elizabeth of the trinity this uh, very simple carmelite who died at the age of 26 in the last four months of her life penned these four main treaties her spiritual treaties and they are just rich with teaching about um the the uh, uh, adoption of ourselves into Christ and they go right along with St Paul. So let's go. Beyond the beautiful and poetic language, Elizabeth's expressing here very simple realities about our life in Christ. Now we know that in the letter to Hebrews, Paul refers to God as a consuming fire, right, right from Elizabeth's prayer, that's Hebrews 12:29. God is a consuming fire. We also know that Christ descended from heaven, use of the word descended, and was incarnated into a human body in this world at his birth. That's what we celebrate, of course, at Christmas. There's something more about that, though, again, from Hebrews, and this is Paul. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Now, that re- um, uh, reference to body of course is regarding christ but it is as much regarding ourselves
2: as as the mystical body of christ right?
0: members of the mystical body but also in our physical body
2: Oh, okay good
0: we also know that christ's own body is um the sacrifice that was acceptable for the salvation of all Christ's own body is the sacrifice that God accepted, the only one that he would accept. Of course, all of the preliminary uh, sacrifices were insufficient to bring about our salvation, but this one was sufficient. But Elizabeth here wants us to focus on her role in this offering. She wants to focus on that. And by our uh, baptism, by extension of our baptism, it includes our role as well. She proposes that we must each become an extension of Christ's humanity. Where do we see that? In her prayer, she says that I may be for him another humanity. So we are an extension of Christ's humanity. What is his humanity? That's the incarnation. When Christ came into the world, he adopted our physical, our human nature, and he wants to extend that through us. Where do we see that? In the next verse of the prayer, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind reading it, Francis.
2: As Elizabeth says, Immerse me in thyself, possess me wholly, substitute thyself for me, that my life may be but a radiance of thine own.
0: So she's sh- saying to us here, she's advocating, in fact, that we must allow Christ to literally assume our persons, our life, our humanity, live his life in and through us. You see where this is far more um, uh, challenging and, and, in fairness, um, Um, I think, spiritually more difficult for us to grasp than just, oh, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to modify my behavior. I'm going to try to be more Christ-like. The classic, what would Jesus do? Well, this is well beyond that, listener. We're now talking about Christ assuming us up into his glory. But then this raises an interesting question which we'll address when we come back from the break. What happens to us? Where's the life that we wanted to lead? All those aspirations, all those plans, all those desires that we both had and still have for our life. If you're listening, you're alive and you know what I'm talking about. You have something you want to do with your life. You have responsibilities in your life. All of that remains. How is it then that Christ lives his life through us? That's the challenging and uh, Uh, I think a very beneficial question that we're going to wrestle with when we come back from the break. Again, a reminder, we are talking about Elizabeth of the Trinity, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, elevated here just recently. Uh, We'll be celebrating her feast day tomorrow, and we want to understand the depth of her teaching about our adopting, uh, or being adopted, rather, into Christ's very life and allowing Christ to live his humanity through us. That's what we'll be uh, speaking about when we come back from the break. A reminder you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back.
1: The God of ages, welcome to your brand new day. Leave the world and all its trappings, come into amazing grace. Let go your every fear, there is only
0: Welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian voice in your home. We're dealing with a very profound, very, um, I hope, insightful and important topic, and that is our adoption into the life of Christ, Christ living his life through us. We're using... Um, as our guides for this, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, whose feast day we will celebrate tomorrow. Uh, and I encourage you, by the way, as we do that, ask Elizabeth for her help. Ask her to intercede. This is her mission. This is what she expressed as her own mission, um, w- what her mission would be uh, to the church before she left. In fact, let me read it quickly. She says, and this was only uh, a short time before she passed away, she wrote, In heaven... I think my mission will be to lead souls to interior recollection by helping them go out from themselves in order to adhere to God by a simple, holy, loving movement and to keep them in this great inner silence, which allows God to imprint himself on them and to transform them into himself. Now, that's exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly what Elizabeth later would reflect in the prayer uh, to the Trinity and what she drew from the teachings of, of uh, St. Paul.
2: So we were kind of left marked with um, what happens to us when c- Christ comes and reigns.
0: So, so here we have to come to an understanding of the process of purification the Lord wants to work within us. He begins first with our ego. What's the ego? We see and hear so much about the damage of the human ego. The ego is that within us, and certainly psychologists would, would have fuller explanations of it, but to keep it brief and and, uh, and simple, it is that which projects ourself into the world around us. We want to be known. If your ego is inflated, for example, you want to be known, you want your accomplishments acknowledged, you want uh, people to uh, perhaps be subject to you, uh, um, and do your bidding, that's an inflated that's the expanded ego, but even the ego in in check um, is something that must be conformed to Christ. The ego again is our desire to project ourselves onto the world around us to dictate the circumstances of our life, to determine the outcome of what happens in our life. And God will purify us of that. If we ask him, he will very quickly begin to modify those outcomes so that we are purified of the projection of our ego onto the world. It is not a healthy spiritual uh, demeanor to project ourselves onto the world. We must be purified of it. Next, and this is where it gets a bit more difficult for us, both in terms of understanding and in terms of the reality of living this, the Lord will work to dismantle our will to will, our interior will to have our own will. Now, this is not the projection of the eagle. This is, I just want what I want. Recall the story that we mentioned some weeks ago when we were talking about Elizabeth And her expressed desire to the Lord in April of 1906, this is just months before she died, She said how she would love to, to to you know, sort of move on, to die. She wanted Mm -hmm. to die. And she was expressing her will. She wasn't trying to project herself onto the world at this point. Her ego was in check. She wanted to leave the world, but she was still willing to will. This is what I will, Lord. I want to go now. Take me. Reminds me of
2: Therese and her wanting to enter Carmel at 15 and asking for the Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Please, if you say so, it'll happen. And, (laughs) and, you know, he taught her a lesson right then and then, you know, resign your will. (laughs) Well, and, (laughs) and It's God's will, it'll happen.
0: In exactly the same way, he taught Elizabeth this lesson by making her wait another five months. She thought she was doing the right thing. Lord, I'm ready. Take me. Let's go. And of course, the Lord said, no, 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 no. It's not on your time. It's on my time. She, of course, didn't pass until November of that year. But by August of that year, she wrote uh, that she fully understood now what it was that she was going through. And it was literally... Uh, The waning hours, the last uh, purification that needed to be worked within her. What insight from uh, the saint
2: and a great strengthening of her self surrender and her self sacrifice. And you know, here she is; she's praying about docility, and so she's now uh, getting the opportunity to to live it out in in a more um, extreme measure uh, as a grace for all of us.
0: Yeah, And, and she even says this; it's in her prayer as well. I wish to become quite. Docile, that I might learn all from Thee. This issue of docility again, which was independently uh, identified in the reading of the footnote that Francis read, um, does come, in fact, from Elizabeth's prayer. This idea of docility: I want to learn all from Thee. I want to give it up. I'm I'm tired now. I understand that I won't do this on my own. And in those last months of her life, that last vestige of willing to will is removed from her. Each of us must become a soul who allows Christ to continually renew his mystery within us. But we cannot become such a soul until he has put our ego in check, not kill it, not destroy it, put it in check, and taken away our will to will. Now, notice I don't say take away our will. Right. To conform the will, we know, is done through the virtue of charity. And when the will is conformed to Christ, that means everything we do is simply done as an act of charity. That is the perfection of our will. We know that charity, love, purifies the will. So the will is not uh, destroyed, it's not taken away. It's perfected. It is raised up. It is assumed up into the life of Christ. That's what we're talking about. But she also said this earlier in the prayer, and we have to go back to this. Christ wants to renew his mystery. She says, wherein he renews his mystery. Wherein is her, of course. What does it mean if the ego's in check and the will has been perfected by love, that Christ now renews his mystery.
2: Well, we can get a hint from Romans 12, verse 1, where Paul tells us, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship.
0: Now, I have to set the stage for the next quote we're going to read. It's actually from... Uh, Teresa of Avila, and there's a preliminary uh, uh, quote on prayer, which is also very important, I think, to sort of set the stage for this, Francis. And that is, we've understood that Christ wants to consume us. This consuming fire wants to take away all uh, of the impurities that are within us. He wants to descend within us. He wants to reincarnate himself in us. We want to become an incarnation of the word so that we might be another humanity for him. We don't lose ourselves; We become another humanity for Christ wherein he renews his mystery. What is that mystery? It is this that Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We know we read a moment ago from Hebrews that Christ did not, um, Uh, He he said, when he came into the world, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. That's Christ, of course, Paul reiterating from the Old Testament, uh, but written in Hebrews. Now we're talking about this idea of uh, understanding and entering into this a docility, this uh, ability of Christ to assume us into his life. But it requires this. We must come to know Christ. We must understand. We must read from his soul. As St. Elizabeth of the Trinity said, her favorite book was The Soul of Christ. We must read from his soul. How do we read from Christ's soul? We do so in prayer. We do so in reading the circumstances of Christ's life. Scripture, yes. And I'm going to allow you, Francis, to enlighten us on that with this quote.
2: Well, this Carmelite nun wrote about this topic. A real change in our attitude will only occur when we change the central object of our attention. And when, excuse me, instead of that object being the self, comes to be God. This is where Teresa Vavla says, keep your eyes on Christ, right? (laughs) When less and less we find ourselves asking God to work miracles for us, And take instead to asking what we can do for him. That's a big switch. When rather than watching God to see what gift he will produce for us, we begin to wait on God to see what, if anything, we can give to him.
0: And this is a difficult challenge for us, right? Waiting on God, we are asked so often. When we want to see progress, we want to think, see things happen. Where's the movement, Lord? Come on! I'm working. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do whatever. You know, where, where's the payback here, right? And I'm not talking about material blessings. I'm, I'm talking about our growth in spirituality. We want to see that we're making progress. We want, but do you see the the trap? We're still looking at it from our own perspective. We're saying. This is my will to will. We may be even past the ego part, but I'm willing to will. No, it's docility. It's obedience. It's patience. It's waiting on the Lord. This is what this uh, Carmelite nun is sharing with us.
2: And when you say will to will, you're, it's will to will, my own will. Exactly. You know, So, I mean, exactly. that's the distinction, you know, willing my own will versus willing God's will Letting in me. him
0: direct me. Exactly right. 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 So now let's move to the quote from Teresa of Avalon. This is a a, a very profound teaching that Teresa gives us on identifying ourselves with Christ in the body through our sufferings. You might ask, and we so often try to give practical advice of Francis on how do I change my prayer? How do I improve Mm -hmm. my prayer? What can I use as a source for me to Uh, deep in my prayer experience. And Teresa, of course, is the master. Yes, she really is. Um, And so uh, I'm going to allow Francis to read a fairly lengthy, again, quote, but listen also towards the end of this quote, because she's going to give us some profound advice on how we personally participate after she identifies us with Christ.
2: And this is a glimpse into her own conversation with Christ. So in other words, it's a glimpse into her prayer, right? And it comes from the way of perfection. Teresa says, Consider him bound to the pillar, become the man of sorrows, all his flesh torn to pieces, enduring this torture for the love he bears you. Persecuted by some, covered with spittle by others, forsaken and abandoned by his friends, having nobody to take his part, shivering with cold, and reduced to such absolute solitude that you can, alone and without witnesses, Come and mingle your sorrows with his, and console one another. Your heart will melt with tenderness in beholding in this state the divine spouse of your soul. And if not satisfied with looking upon him, you feel interiorly moved to converse with him, do it. But then be far from you any studied language. Make use only of simple words dictated by your own, own heart. They are the most precious to him. O Lord of the world and true spouse of my soul, you may say to him, how comes it that thou art reduced to such extremity? O my Savior and my God, can it be that you do not disdain the company of so poor a creature as I, and that I can be of any consolation to you? For it seems to me that I read upon your countenance that you are consoled in beholding me near you. How can it be, Lord, that the angels leave thee alone and that even your heavenly Father consoles you not? Since it is thus, my adorable Master, and you have submitted to this excess of suffering for love of me, what is this little that I suffer, and of what can I complain?
0: Now, Teresa has given us profound insight on the image of Christ's suffering. She's become very compassionate. There's deep empathy. You know, Teresa claimed of herself that she didn't have a good imagination and wasn't able to project these sort of uh, images and figures and so on and so forth and relate the details well. she's revealed in this writing that she was misrepresenting herself. She's quite capable of doing it. And she does it, as I said, to create compassion and empathy. We must do this, listener. We must read about the crucifixion. We must focus on what Christ went through in his passion. We should do this in our prayer so that we come to a point of genuine uh, uh, you know, compassion is the best word, but but uh, empathy and, and aligning ourselves with Christ, putting ourselves, as she said a moment ago and two lines back, putting ourselves in that very circumstance. And now she's going to tell us what we do about it.
2: Confounded at beholding you in this deplorable state, I'm resolved henceforth, my dear master, to suffer all the tribulations that can happen to me. And consider them as treasures in order to imitate you in something. Let us then proceed together, O Lord. I desire to follow you everywhere you go and pass through all that you pass through.
0: So, that last line, those last few words, even, what does Teresa say? I'm going to ask you just to read the last sentence or two again.
2: Let us then proceed together, O Lord. I desire to follow you everywhere you go. And pass through all that you pass through.
0: So Teresa's in prayer. She's reflected on the circumstance of the Lord in his passion, the greatest uh, offering he could have made to the Father, his body. Again, not the independent uh, sacrifices of the Old Testament, but his own body. And now she says... I desire to follow you. This is the moment where her prayer is assumed up into Christ's own life. And how do we do that? By living it out in our body. This is the mystery. Just like Christ, we are present. We are to present, rather, our bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice. We are to join Christ in his redemptive work for the salvation of the human race. Paul explains it very clearly this way in his letter to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Here again, that theme, Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, so he retains his life in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul, of course, is not saying that he was literally being crucified in that moment. We know that Paul would later be martyred, uh, but instead he's saying that his old nature dies a little bit each day. There's a verse, of course, where Paul says, I die daily.
2: And the old man, you know, exactly. The old man's dying. Exactly.
0: And in, just the same way that Christ experiences passion, of course, ultimately expired. His life um, uh, left his body. Paul is saying, I go through the same experience. Each day, he seeks to more fully conform himself to the image of Christ living within him. He offers his own body as that sacrifice through all of the hardship that he endures, through all the pains, all of his disappointments, all his losses, all of the Um, um, you know, beatings and and disappointments and and setbacks that Paul experienced in his life. And, listener, all of us go through this. This is life. This is the human experience. But Paul doesn't allow these things to weaken or discourage him in the same way. And Elizabeth says this a little bit later. She says, I surmount all these things and I use them to draw me closer into this experience of allowing Christ to live through me.
2: Well, in 1 Corinthians... Two, Verse 2, we hear, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, this is the great lesson that St. Paul is trying to share with us and that St. Elizabeth of the Trinity lived to the very best of her ability and I think helped make her a saint. And more importantly, what she could not live up to, and like us all, she relied on grace to carry her through.
0: Yeah, she says later in her prayer, I realize my weakness. I realize my weakness. And
2: we all need to realize our weakness. This is where that self-knowledge that St. Teresa of Avila kept teaching us about. We've got to know ourselves, know who we are, and who we are in relation to christ and so when we see our weakness we can see god's strength
0: it's actually the beginning saint Teresa of avila would tell us as uh, as well it is the beginning of this process to recognize our weakness in humility in humility to understand that we can't do it we desire to do it we must desire to do it i want christ to live his life within me you see the prayer i encourage you by the way to get a copy of uh, elizabeth's prayer and read it i try to read it every day myself and i go very slowly by the way you and pray it don't you i do absolutely. you don't
2: just read it you pray it. that's right so. i
0: read it and then i try to go through very slowly and pray and enter into it but but elizabeth would say the same thing she does i realize my weakness it must begin with that humility with that recognition of our weakness why john fifteen five explains to us i am the vine You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What is Christ saying? That we can't do anything? We can't live our life? I can't execute my responsibilities? No. The only thing that matters in this life, listener, is what we do for God. The only thing at the end of the day that will have any merit before our Lord will be that which we've done for him. Christ tells us, let me live my life through you. Accept your weakness in all humility, and I will live my life through you. Pray for me to enter in and to live my life.
2: And this is how Christ becomes our
0: strength. Exactly right. Right. Exactly right. In that moment, in that uh, very experience of acknowledging our weakness and begging Christ, as Elizabeth did in her prayer, to live through us, we get Christ's strength. Well, in the same circumstances that most of us are discouraged by or that we're disappointed by, and at times it might even lead us to question God's love for us. In those uh, very moments, Paul finds the very means for offering himself as a living sacrifice. This
2: is huge. we we got to get this.
0: Yes, absolutely. It is in those very times that we have the power, remember Paul's words, through faith. Right to become more and more like Christ, to express our sincere love for him and to participate with him in his redemptive work of salvation for the world. Paul said, I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his very life. And he said earlier in Galatians, remember, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh, suffering though I may be, I live by faith in the Son of God, I desire to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is the centerpiece of Paul's entire existence. As we said when we spoke about St. Elizabeth a few weeks ago, this understanding, the the insight, it's not an intellectual uh, grasping. It's not something you can sort of you know, read and analyze and just sort of project onto your mind and, and assume it. You cannot come into this uh, experience of Christ and our relationship with him only by reading about it or even by getting advi- uh, advice from a spiritual director. Francis and I do what we can in conversing about it. We hope it's beneficial. We certainly encourage you to read Elizabeth. Go back to Paul's letters and read what he has to share about that. But you will not come into this understanding simply through that. This wisdom can only come through a deep and continuous dwelling in the interior life, in silent recollection before the Lord.
2: Prayer, prayer, prayer.
0: (laughs) Deep prayer. And it also requires that we beg the Holy Spirit to come to us and provide us the strength that we need to be able to do this work within us. Remember, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It must be done within each of us. Where is that work done? It's done through the daily circumstances of our life. You know, we so often struggle with this back and forth of... Um, why this setback, Lord, why this uh, discouragement, why this moment? If we allow Christ to do this work within us, yes, to crucify us, if we allow him to be our strength, if we rely on him and not on ourselves, if we genuinely desire through our prayer to allow him to live his life through us, as Elizabeth is teaching and as Paul is affirming, then we will be transformed. We will be that light. We will have the kingdom of God dwelling within us
2: and when we are transformed that love will radiate the love of Christ will radiate to all around us
0: and we know that that is how we transform our society you know I was reading Francis before I came in a very good article uh, I won't reference the the author uh, but but um, uh, on a blog that I I frequent and it talked about transforming the world around us and of course um, we know as we sit here in studio today that tomorrow is the uh, election day for our country, a very uh, significant moment for all of us. And uh, I think the outcome of this election may well determine, you know, in in some measure, uh, the direction of our country. We know it will only be determined by prayer. But um, we talk about uh, uh, we, that is Carmelites, we talk about transforming the world around us. We transform the world around us. First and foremost, in exactly the same way that Teresa of Avila transformed the order of Carmel, and that's by transforming ourselves. And we do that through prayer. We do that through sacrifice. We do that by asking Jesus Christ to live his life within us. We know that in this offering, the very act of praying, that which we do every day, it, that itself is a sacrifice. And it will indeed be found acceptable to God. And then we'll be able to say, along with King David, from Psalm 141, 2. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Our very prayer, listeners, is our sacrifice. And it is so important at this time as we get ready, and we wanted to just take this moment to identify it. As we get ready... Uh, to make uh, um, a very significant decision about the leadership uh, of our country going forward. We want to pray that no matter who ends up in the White House, no matter what we get as a House and a Senate, uh, they be guided by the, um, the power of the Holy Spirit, the willingness uh, to um, uh, make themselves docile, the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And And then we as a country will be protected.
2: And on behalf of our international listeners, uh, we're talking about the United States Uh, uh, election for for the president. So, Mark, um, I have this prayer. um, It's an election prayer that I thought would be appropriate. And I would just ask everybody to, uh, with all your heart, um, get recollected. um, Look at Jesus within you. And let us unite in prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, Lord of life and King of all nations, we beg you to look kindly upon our country and help us to wisely choose our new leaders, inform our consciences, and enlighten our judgment, that we may elect those who will mercifully uphold justice and strive to protect the least among us. Help us to discern which candidates will uphold both the letter and the spirit of the law. May our nation once again respect religious freedom, authentic marriage, the importance of family and the value of every human life from conception to natural death. Heal the divisions which wound our unity and help us to overlook political tensions that keep us from becoming a united force for good. May our great land, built on both personal responsibility and charity towards the less fortunate, always balance prosperity with care for the elderly, the poor, the sick, and the abandoned. May we elect honest and trustworthy candidates who will always uphold the common good and protect our God given rights. In concert with the great founders of our nation, may we confidently proclaim. In God we trust. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
0: Well, thank you. No more uh, important thing than to pray for our country and for this world. Uh, also, I would encourage you in this month of November, please remember the souls in purgatory. This is a very powerful month to pray uh, for them, for their release, and for their comfort as they endure their uh, purification. And a reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in your home. Until we're with you again next week, God bless.